Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I am joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. On this episode, we will talk to Gator great Eddie Shannon, who is now an assistant coach with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, great conversation with Eddie about Billy Donovan, the future in Columbia um, that him and Lamont Paris and that staff are building, uh, kind of Eddie's journey through coaching. Uh, so good, good chat there. We'll also get into some listener questions on the back half of the episode. So hope you guys enjoy and thank you as always for your support and for listening. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, man, what's been going on? Oh, not uh, not too much. My college basketball watching has, you know, shifted to <laughs> NBA playoffs and, and I mean, underrated EuroLeague basketball. I know it's not easy for everyone to watch, but, you know, I love my... Uh, all my Spanish ACB Liga teams representing yeah. them there, so it's uh, it's good to see um, you know to see you know Scotty Wilbekin, to see Nick Calathis especially, uh, man Nick Calathis he's still just a treasure to watch. So and, and again I don't watch it with the express interest of like oh let's go see what all these you know former Gators are up to, but uh, uh, it's just you know that's that's what the University of Florida has been for so long, just producing these top players. So you go watch some some top basketball overseas. Of course here's Nick Calathis going to be uh, you know handling the ball for one of the best teams in the world outside of the NBA. So uh, lots of Gator greats. No doubt. Um, speaking of Gator greats, Al Horford, man, what, what do you make of uh, the, the renaissance of, of one Al Horford right now, just tearing it up for the Celtics. He's not even playing well tonight and the Bucks are still losing, which leads me to believe the Bucks are in trouble. <laughs> uh, one thing I think is amazing is just, well, one, I mean, it, I, I think we've got a couple listeners that are Oklahoma City fans, so they'll, you know, they'll know this and, and, and love to hear us talking about it. But Oklahoma City has been known for how good their um, how good their team doctors are, how good they've been at rehabilitating, rehabilitating players. So I think Al Horford kind of hit the lottery by getting to go there for a year where they're tanking. They don't have any interest in Al Horford playing. So he gets to take a sabbatical while working with one of the best kind of rehabilitation specialist programs um, in the world. And he just looks like a player who's six years younger. Suddenly, like he's looking like, like he threw down a couple dunks that look like you know, it looked like he just took a drop off pass from Torian Green. You know, like it was, uh, it really looked like he turned back the clock. And and I think a large part of it was the was the the way that he did kind of go through the shuffle of of being salary filler and um, got to take a little sabbatical year in Oklahoma City, getting totally healthy, and of course now he gets to be on uh, on a playoff team and kind of reaping the benefits of that. So that's what I kind of think um, happened. Um, I don't, yeah, but uh, again, it's also a player that I think is. Uh, uh, because of his basketball IQ, his game is is going to age pretty well. But uh, uh, just kind of seeing the state of his knees a couple of years ago, I think that the the time off definitely helped. And now we're just getting to enjoy, uh, uh, like you said, a renaissance. Yeah, we're going to come back to that renaissance. Um, speaking of of renaissance, the Gator basketball renaissance really began with our guest tonight. Um, it started, I guess, a little bit before a little bit before his time, but um, we have. Uh, Eddie Shannon, Gator Great, um, with us tonight, is now an assistant coach with the South Carolina Gamecocks. So, um, obviously, congrats to Coach Shannon for that opportunity that, that him and Coach Paris and everybody from Chattanooga have got um, in in Columbia. You know, I think um, we were all very thrilled for for Coach Shannon to get that opportunity, but we're, we're happy that he's going to give us 20 minutes or so tonight just to talk a little bit about it. So first, you know, congrats. And, and obviously the journey from Palm beach Atlantic to, to now um, back on the sidelines in the sec, Eddie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for having me on as well. Um, of course. Pleasure to be here, man. Um, and just, just so excited to, to be back in the sec um, and have a chance to, you know, obviously was a player and now get a chance to coach in the SEC, man, is a phenomenal um, opportunity. And I'm thankful and grateful for it. And, you know, just happy that uh, Coach Paris, you know, thought enough of, to, enough of me to bring me along with him. 
Yeah, Eddie, uh, thanks so much for being on. It's it's great to talk to you. And uh, I'm going to ask a little bit about your story, becoming a Gator, and then I'm going to tie it a little bit into uh, what you're doing now at South Carolina. So um, you were a highly rated recruit um, coming out of high school. Um, first of all, I know you've told this story, you know, a thousand times. This will be a thousand and one. But can you first uh, tell us a little bit about um, your story of what uh, what your game was like in high school, what the recruiting process was like that, that got you to Florida? And then can you tie that into uh, now that you're a South South Carolina, you're going to be recruiting a lot of top players. They're going to be recruiting play. You're going to be recruiting, you know, the next Eddie Shannon. So can you also talk a little bit about how your experience as a really good high school player is going to help you recruit those kinds of players? Yeah, well, um, I'm from West Palm Beach, um, Riviera Beach, actually. And I went to Cardinal Newman. And, you know, I was a pretty good high school player, I guess, you know, some might say. Um, <laughs> I was recruited by, you know, a ton of schools coming out. Um, a lot, definitely a lot of SEC schools because that's primarily in the South. But I, I actually committed to Arizona originally. Um, and then my high school coach actually encouraged me to, hey, take another visit. You know, I eliminated a lot of schools early because I really wanted to, you know, commit to a school and then just focus on the season. So, you know, I went, I had a great time in Arizona with Lou Olson and Jesse Evans and those guys. Damon Stoudemire was my host. Uh, so I ended up committing. And my high school, you know, I got back to Florida. My high school coach said, hey, I think you need something to compare it to. Let's, let's hold, let's, you know, you can stay committed, but you need to take a visit to Florida. I did. I think, you know, I had a great time in Florida. And then just the, I realized how close Florida was to, you know, and the convenience of getting back home um, with Gainesville only being three hours from West Palm. Um, I was in, a little enthralled by that, and I ended up decommitting and, and, and choosing Florida. And then, you know, fast forwarding a little bit and, you know, now coaching, it's, you know, you understand the caliber player it takes to win in the SEC. And... So you know what you're looking for already, but now it's also a difference in recruiting because you're recruiting against these high-level schools that, you know, um, this is the first time I'll be recruiting against, you know, really top uh, power five schools and, you know, high-level programs. So it's definitely going to be a challenge, but, hey, you know, I feel like my relation, my relationships and my player relations, I have all of those skills and I know the landscape. Um I've been in a lot of these guys' shoes. I, I speak the language. I think um, I'm more than prepared for it, you know, one, for, for being a player, for two, playing in the SEC and having that experience. I, I certainly feel like, you know, uh, I'm qualified and will do a certain uh, great job as well. So you were uh, someone who kind of independently, both, both Neil and I, when the Gators had some assistant coach openings, um, the past season um we both kind of uh, on our own tweeted out hey eddie shannon's someone that um you know florida should look at and if not other sdc programs um but uh and i think a lot of it too is like it's not just what you did as a player but it is truly what you have accomplished as a coach and and i think that's something you guys have done uh did really well especially at chattanooga was develop players and it's kind of a little bit of a buzzword everyone always says uh you know we're good at developing players you know our program develops players but i think the kind of you know it doesn't always happen. I'll, I'll say that much. So uh, how have you guys at Chattanooga had so much success developing players and uh, how is that model going to kind of translate to South Carolina? Well, well, we really, we, we hang our hat on development and we are extremely detail oriented when it comes to that. Um, we've been able to, and I think that uh, ha that has been attributed to our success at Chattanooga and Again, when we go into the detail, it's the smallest of things, and it, it, it can come anywhere from, hey, we need to give this guy a go-to move in this situation so that when he's in this situation, he knows what to do. Or we need to give this guy a move in the post where when, he, when, when the floor looks like this, he's comfortable in getting to this or doing that that's the detail and we'll literally spend you know we have our individual workout sessions where we do all the ball handling all that stuff we do that but during the season we really try to fine tune and say okay we need to work on 
John Doe's footwork when he's catching the ball like this. And we'll do a, a fifth, we'll spend 15 minutes on just that. And he won't even take a shot, just work on getting to his footwork, right? So when this happens in the game, you know how to get to it. So once we get that down, we'll start, we'll add the shot to it. Okay, now we're getting to it. So in practice, and we tell them, make sure you're working on these things in practice. And if we see it on film, when they're in a situation and they don't do it, we can call it out. Say, hey, remember, you know, we talked about this. You need to try to take these shots or, you know, do what we worked on. So when the game comes, it's not new to you. And we can, we, we will know if it if it works and doesn't work. But if you're not practicing it, we don't know. Right. So we, we try to dial it back. We try to dial it down. We'll video guys shot, you know, from behind where it's, you know, trying to correct form or see what what's can be hindering them and you know making shots and and it's a lot of film watching it's a lot of time spent in the gym with guys and it's a lot it's and it's a lot of guys just willing to be uncomfortable in those situations too but you know we talk through it and it's it's about hey if you're going to get better and you want to get to the next level as you say you do Let's get in the gym and let's work on the things that are not so sexy as the double step back. You know, let's work on things that that are transferable to the game that are transferable for you as a player, depending on who the player is. Coach, I know that, um, you know, one of the things that you guys did, well, really, Canisius, too, but, you know, you have been able to sustain success as an assistant, um, wherever you've been, but, but last year certainly, uh, had to be a really special f- for you, but that, that Chattanooga team, you guys won 27 games. Um, really, you could certainly make the argument you were the better team over 40 minutes in the first round and just kind of got snip, <laughs> snake bit there at the end. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that was heartbreaking, but you know, what do you take from, from succeeding in what is really a really good mid-major league with a lot of good young coaches? Um, and, you know, you guys take that with you to the SEC, which has been a place where, I mean, you've seen it with Nate Oates, uh, with Mike White. Um, you know, they're, these coaches like Coach Paris and their staffs, they come in, they're young, they're hungry, they get after it. Y'all have a great arena um, up there. Uh, obviously Don Staley is a superstar that can't hurt when you recruit kids. Um, you know, what, what intrigues you about life in Columbia? I tell you, you know, since we've been here, the school and the city has embraced us with open arms and it's, you know, I think the freshness of it all, um, new coach, new staff, um, it's a novice, um, an opportunity to have a clean slate, so to speak. Um, and I think the city is ready for that. I think for us, it's it's the same as we've been doing, you know, work our butts off in every, in every aspect from recruiting, from film watching, relationship building, community building, um, investing in our players in every single way. Um, from academics to on the court stuff, uh, that's that's what we bring to the table, and I think that's what helped us succeed in Chattanooga. We were extremely well-rounded staff. We, you know, some of us are strong in areas where other where the others of us are weaker, and vice versa. We complement each other well. We have a great chemistry as a staff. Um, we have a great dynamic where we're, we're experienced. We've coached guys that have played at the highest level, guys that are in the NBA. Um, we know what we're talking about. And we're just excited, man, to be honest with you, to get to work and to kind of, you know, get this thing rocking and rolling. We're excited for the opportunity. It's going to be a challenging opportunity. The SEC is arguably the best conference in the country. You know, it's, it's loaded with talent, you know, from top to bottom. Um, you know, but it's going to be a process and, and, and we're going to do our best. And, and I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll, we'll have success at the end of the day. Yeah, I love to hear that confidence. Um, one thing I think that Chattanooga basketball was was really known for and something that could really translate to a place like South Carolina 
um, where they kind of embrace this is, is toughness. You guys were a very tough team mentally. You were very tough physically. I think everyone saw that again in, in round one of the NCAA tournament. Um, so coach, do you think that toughness is something that you develop or is toughness something that you recruit? It's a little of both. Um, I think, you know, coach Paris's coaching style is, you know, he got that Midwest mentality is, is, you know, you gotta have tough guys. You gotta be willing to get in the mix you know, put your body in place, sacrifice, you know, what do you do? What are you willing to do to win games? And again, that goes down to the little things. It's don't bail out of defensive plays. Um, when you're attacking the rim, you know, put, you know, in certain instances, man, you may, you may have to go through guys in, in, in certain circumstances. Um, you know, the type of guys that we like are obviously, you know, guys that are tough mentally, physically, and also guys that play that have good feel for the game and high IQ guys. Um, you know, that's that's the system that we run. But we 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 coach that in practice every day. And that's something that we'll watch in film. You know, if we see guys bailing out of plays on on film in practice, it'll be on film the next day before practice as we're showing, hey, had a chance chance to take a charge here, but you bailed out because you didn't want the contact. That's you know, those are winning plays. And you have to be tough. And in situations, you know, sometimes you'll get down in games. You know, plays like that are game-changing plays, momentum-changing plays, or momentum-building plays. And that's something that we preach all day, every day of practice. And that's one thing that you'll see out of our teams is teams that guys that are going to be tough and willing to play, playing the right way and playing for each other. Eddie, um, you know, I guess rewinding back to the Florida days a little bit, um, you know, because I think our listeners would love to know. Well, well let, me, let me pose it to you this way, because I don't think anybody knows at 20 that <laughs> they're about to play for, for a future Hall of Fame coach. Um, but it was funny that, you know, when I had a chance to do a story on Coach Donovan, I don't know, a year and a half ago, one thing he said was, well, when I got there, I had Eddie Shannon and Greg Stoltz. So I knew that at least I had something, um, <laughs> you know, what was, <laughs> what was your, uh, what was your reflection on that? Cause so many kids now might've left, right? Like you, you were playing for a final four coach in Lon Kruger. And suddenly this guy that looks like he might've just shaved for the first time as your head coach. What was <laughs> that like? And, and did you, did you get a sense before the Sweet 16 run, your senior year when you're all SEC, um, did you get a sense that that he was special? Yeah, Billy is awesome, man. Um, you knew, you kind of knew something was brewing with, within him um, immediately. Just his passion, that what he brought to the table from a passion standpoint, and the staff. Those guys were young, and, you know, and hungry and exuberant and practice, you know. Um, I remember, I still remember Pell and Coach Grant getting in practices and getting in the mix and really pushing guys. So you kind of knew something was brewing. You didn't know quite what. Um, I always thought Coach Coach um, Donovan was brilliant in his X's and O's, you know, and, and game adjustments um, and everything. And he's another guy that, you know, if you're going to play for, for Coach Donovan, you better be tough and you better be able to take coaching because um, he's about the right things. And the one thing I'll say is he may have said that, you know, he had myself and Greg Stoke, but Greg and I came in with a class of six. And just to give you an example, Greg and I were the only two that finished on that team. So it wasn't an easy, like, you better be made the right way to play for those guys because they were about winning. And if that's not what you were about or if you weren't tough enough to sustain, you weren't going to last. But it was all in the right way. But 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 just playing for coach and what he has become. As you as you reflect on it, you say, yeah, I saw all of that. You might not have known, known what it was as it was occurring in front of your eyes. But when you look back, you say, yeah, so that's that's what it looks like to become a Hall of Famer. 
I think I would have failed that uh, trivia question of who was in that first recruiting class. So uh, that's a good little bit of insight. Um, you were able to play with some some very, very good players um, over your four years. Um, who was your favorite teammate uh, because of what they uh, played like on the court? And who was your favorite teammate um, based off, you know, off the court stuff? My favorite teammate on the court who I would play with anywhere is Brent Wright. Brent is a consummate teammate. He is the epitome of winning. He's going to – I'd hate to play against him and want to play with him because he knows how to win. He knows what it takes. He's selfless. He's going to do every single thing in his power. He's going to play defense as hard as he can. He's going to do what he's supposed to do on offense. He's going to rebound the ball. He's going to be a leader. He's going to talk. To me, on, on the court, I take Brent right anywhere in the world with me at play. I mean, the guy won. He won an SEC championship. He went overseas. I think he won six or seven league championships over there. So he 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 it follows him. So on the court, it would definitely be uh, it would definitely be Brent Wright. Off the court, you know, my best friend that played with me at Florida is Kenyon Weeks, and you know, we've been best friends since '96 since he came on his visit, and then he committed to Florida and. And, you know, we haven't looked back since. So off the court, that's my guy. That's my that's my right-hand man, Kenyon Weeks. So one of the best shooters at Florida all time as well. Um, so to answer that question. But it's a bunch of guys that, that 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 you know, from Florida were were great guys that I love. And, and uh, that was a great time. So you left the school uh, as the all-time Steelers leader. Um, I know Chris Chiosa got you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> No, he didn't. He got me in steals. <laughs> I think he did. I don't know. I think. I, I think. I think so, though. But I know you. Uh, Eric's gonna get the right answer for me. But I know when you left, you you were second in assists too. Which um, I'm not know, second is, anymore. I know that. I'm no. like sixth now. Something yeah, but like still that. top top ten in assists. But the question that everybody wants to know. All right, and and you can speak freely about this because. I know he does. Uh, he being Casey Calvary, was Casey Calvary over the back? <laughs> absolutely, he was. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> he was. He was. He he was over the back. But you know what? In, in in all honesty, man, you know, in a game like that, unless it's just absolutely egregious, hey ref, let 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 the players decide it, and that's yeah, what they yeah. did. You know. And that's what they did. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. Uh, it was such, <laughs> it was heartbreaking at the time, and I wanted that over the back call. But hey, you know, it was destiny for those guys. And Gonzaga's been good. Gonzaga ever since then. Ever since that moment, they've been rocking and rolling. You know what, though, Eddie? Florida has been Florida since that season too. Really. So. If you if you look at it that I know I know a lot of those guys, including you, I'm sure take a lot of pride in that. I, I guess I'll leave with this and then let Eric wrap up. But um, you know, you, you you are back in the SEC. I know a lot of the arenas have changed, but is there a place that you're really looking forward to getting back to? <laughs> you can already imagine. <laughs> you can already you you can I, I, you know that 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 date is marked. You know that date is certainly marked. Uh, Love it. Looking, Love forward, it. looking forward to the challenge. Looking forward to seeing a lot of the people that were around when I was around, and you know having the opportunity to coach against the Gators. Um, I know what it. I know what basketball means to that school. So um, I'm looking. I'm just certainly looking forward. Looking forward to the challenge and the experience. Yeah, I, I think you're wrong, Neil. I think I think Eddie's still got the the steal total. It looks like he's got 204 career, and Chris Gioza has like 191. So I I, I think oh, you're safe. See, I think you're safe, Eddie. I apologize. Yeah. Coach. So so that's, so that's what I thought. I thought that I was the only egregious error that that eclipsed the 200 mark. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. 204 as per as per basketball reference. So, um, you know, another story I have told on the podcast a couple of times, but I've got to let you know, Eddie. Um, I so you know, Casey Calvary went on to play three on three basketball. I don't know if he still is, but this was just a couple of years ago. But I was uh, I was at an event and and saw him there, and I was talking to him, and then I just playfully asked him, "Hey, uh, you know, were you over the back?" And uh, he did not see any humor in that that question. I'll I'll tell you that much. Even me bringing it up lightly. So, um, 
he's not super comfortable. Um, you know, Eddie, I could talk basketball with you uh, forever, and I, uh, you know, look forward to talking to you again. But uh, I, I, I will have to throw a, a, a Florida question at you, a little bit of a Florida question um, for this upcoming season. Um, you know, Eddie, I was a big Chattanooga fan. I watched a lot of games last year um, of you guys, and uh, one of the games I did get to see was uh, was VMI and Trey Bonham um, playing pretty well against you. Um, one one game he didn't play super well. You guys got VMI, but another game Trey Bonham played pretty well and, and I think put up 20 and, and they got the win. Um, you know, you were able to coach against Trey Bonham. He's now on the Gators. Um, what can you tell Gator fans about uh, about his game? Big time competitor. You know, he's uh, I, I, I like Trey for VMI and uh, I thought he was a big time. Oh, that entire VMI team, those guys really, really competed. Um, and I thought he was one of the catalysts, uh, big time competitor. And, you know, he, he, he can play, you know, Florida got a good player. Well, Eddie, we appreciate your time, man. Good luck in Columbia to you, Coach Paris, the whole staff, the all-time leader in steals at the University of Florida, Eddie Shannon. <laughs> hey, thank you guys for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you thank so you, much. Eddie. All right. You guys have a good night. Bye. So that's uh, Eddie Shannon. I made an egregious fact there, which is a nice thing that I can't edit out of a podcast. But, um, you know, obviously thrilled for him and the opportunity he's going to get. And, I, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I was thinking about these hires, and I know Matt McMahon is landing every recruit on the planet right now. And, you know, that's the thing. But I, I kind of – I like what South Carolina did with, with Coach Paris. Yeah, I think it's a good hire. Um, I think that's – they like what I really like is like looking at some of these mid-major hires. Um, I, I like guys that, that play a style that I think transfers up to the high major level. And that's what Chattanooga did looking at their guards, looking at their front court players, um, looking at kind of some of their spread ball screen stuff. I thought that really worked. Um, something I alluded to talking to Eddie was um, the fact that they did play super tough. There was a, there was definitely a defined style of play, but while they were tough, they weren't, they didn't lack skill. And I, I didn't want to, you know, of course say that. To, I was thinking about, you know, how I could frame that to Eddie a little bit, but the fact that, you know, South Carolina was very, very skilled um, these last couple of years under Frank Martin, or sorry, they're very tough, these Frank Martin teams, but maybe, you know, lacked a little bit of skill. And I think that, I think that Lamont Paris will be able to bring some of that toughness that South Carolina um, really, really likes, but, but have teams that, that are a little bit more skilled. So, um, you know, is, is South Carolina um, ever going to be a team? that, that gets all these recruits. Um, I'm not totally, totally sure on that. Um, but, uh, I, I think they've got to, you know, so they're They're going to have to build up players that, you know, maybe aren't the same caliber as some of the top teams in the league. They've got to develop them. Um, they've got to play with a defined style and, and, uh, uh, and that's the way they're probably going to win. So I think that that's probably a pretty good, a pretty good choice for them. All right, so we are back. We had a little bit of a technical issue. I will edit that out so you guys won't hear any of that. Um, anyway, so Eddie Shannon, um, obviously I made a, a pretty egregious little factor there, thinking that Chris Joseph got him in steals when all Chris got was the assist record all he got. Um, so, uh, you know, you were saying that you liked what they did with with that hire um, in terms of, of Coach Parrott. Yeah, well, sorry for all this that you have to edit out, Neil, but I'm, I'll, I'll just try to say the same the same thing again here. But, you know, the things I like when I look at mid-major hires are I really like someone who has a style of play that I think is going to translate to the high major level. And I think with their their ability to, to play in spread ball screen, to throw it into to big men on the inside and, and, and play off those players, um, I think it's going to work at the high major level. And um, there's... I also really like that they're able to balance toughness with skill, like something I kind of alluded to when, when asking a question to, to coach Eddie. And um, I didn't, I didn't really want to put it out there, but I mean, one of the problems that South Carolina has had recently is they have been very, very tough 
but they haven't been very skilled. So I think that they have a fan base that kind of respects and, and really likes toughness. Um, and I think that Lamont's teams are, are going to have that toughness while also having skill. Um, one thing I think that that Chattanooga did very, very well, and you can go back and look at it, is like they did really, really well with transfers in an era where that's how everyone's trying to, you know, get better and not everyone does. They did very, very well with transfers. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned in the podcast uh, or, you know, in the interview with Eddie that I really meant is like they really did develop players, like looking at where players started with them, their ability to retain players and the ability to get those guys better. Um that is something that not a lot of programs are able to do. So I think it's South Carolina, you know, are they ever going to go, are they going to be pulling five stars anytime soon? Like they did a few years back. Um, you know, maybe they will. I'd love for Eddie to go get one, but I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to. So I do think they're going to have to compete with other teams in the sec, not with raw talent, but with uh, developing guys, finding gems in the transfer portal. Um, and I think they're going to do it. So I know that like, man, it was not a high, like a lot of people didn't seem to be super stoked on the hire, but it's like, I just don't get it, Matt. Well, I mean, I, I do get it. I can rant about it. But like you look at some of the mid-major hires and national media are like, oh, what an incredible find. Like, and and guys making huge leaps to big high major jobs from from mid-major jobs. And and some some people are just all over it. And then like Chattanooga, who's been really good for two years and uh in a very good league, better than a lot of these, you know, other leagues where where national media are just like foaming at all these like these hires like i don't know there's a whole lot of like c c minuses or you know c pluses in in you know of course that that's the grading the higher articles and uh i i think that south carolina did a lot better than than a c i i think i mean time will tell it is can be a tough place to win but i i think that south carolina made a good call yeah rob duster who we both i think respect and like a lot um gave it a b plus and i thought that was interesting because you know, Rob said he just thought hiring um, an African-American head coach who had had a lot of success at Chattanooga, sustained success um, at a place where Don Staley is, is probably something that people aren't really thinking about that much. But like there's definitely mm-hmm. a sense that that you can win at basketball like you're an hour and a half from Charlotte, I tell you. And I'm telling you that that's me driving like five miles over the speed. (laughs) People that, 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 that definitely test the laws of, of traffic a little more aggressively can get there quicker than that. I mean, you are not far from basketball Mecca. Um, So, you know, I think, I don't know. I mean, I like it. And, and I, have started to like look at the Eric Fawcett formula and the only little ingredient I add at all is sustained success. Like if they were at that mid-major school for more than two years or three years, I want to see what their record was and did it either gradually get better or were they continually good? And the box were good, like all the time they were good. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good hire. I thought B plus was pretty fair. Um, I'm not going to, try to get too deep into the mentions at this point, because I made the terrible mistake of retweeting one of those March madness. Oh, it's because Chandler Parsons tweeted like his starting five and he picked six players. So he could add his buddy, Nick Calathis. To <laughs> um, and so I made a joke and like people did tore it off into a debate, but I wanted to get back to the Horford point, which I, I just retweeted that with like two minutes to go in the game. The Florida basketball account saw it. They tweeted it. Um, I guess Al Horford, who was having kind of a quiet night when we got on the phone with Eddie, decided he would run in from the, the three-point line and make a dunk. Now, I have seen some some tough John Hollinger takes in the last couple of months, and I've talked to Eric about, about them on off the air. But I heard a John Hollinger take today I agree with, which is that Al Horford is a Hall of Famer. Um, And, man, I don't know, like – why I agree with that all of a sudden, or if it's just recency bias from watching in this series or what. Um, but you know, Bill Simmons calls him, uh, calls Al Horford middle-class Tim Duncan. And I guess the, the argument with that, that I've, I've always appreciated that like Bill Simmons label for Al and Bill loves Al and knows a lot about basketball, not as much as Eric Fawcett, but a lot. Uh, and, and I love that Bill Simmons said, you know, if you're middle-class Tim Duncan, you're probably a Hall of Famer. 
So where do you come down on that debate? Um, my like slightly cynical NBA fandom would point out that whenever there seems to be like a 50, 50, like, is this player a hall of famer? Um, it usually goes in favor of the player. Um, a lot of guys do end up in, I mean, again, I don't want to try to water down. I mean, if you're an NBA hall of famer, like Matt, or sorry. And that's one thing I just said, NBA hall of fame. I mean, I, there's one of the things too, where like, I, you know, I've, if, if I'm, you know, correct, I think it's the, the basketball hall of fame, not the, well, NBA yeah, hall of fame. that's the other thing. And that's the basketball hall. Of fame. So, so you, you look at again, what he did with Florida and, and it's, it's just one of those things. Like to me, the hall of fame is something where, if we're in a hundred years and if somehow this world is still <laughs> operating um, somewhat similar to what it is now, and we can look back on basketball, the, the NBA hall of fame should be like a story of basketball or the, the, the basketball fame should be a story of basketball and people in the hall of fame should be people that you cannot tell the story of basketball without that person coming up as a character. That's kind of my judge for who should be in the hall of fame is like, can you tell the story of basketball without with like does this player need to be in the conversation or not and i think if you're going to tell the story of basketball on the whole of course college basketball is going to play a huge role in that and um in an era where basket college basketball was some like you know arguably some of the best where you still had high level nba players sticking around to play multiple years you know the gators won two championships we could argue who the best player was on those teams. And that would be a whole nother mention storm for your count, Neil. Um, but you could very well say Al Horford. So I think that you add in that he played a pivotal role, perhaps the biggest role in two consecutive national championships at a time where college basketball was excellent. And they were beating teams with six NBA players on it. Um, and then you add in, you know, you look at the NBA, I think he's a four or five time NBA all-star. I don't know if he's ever been on an all NBA team, to be honest with you. Maybe he slipped in on like a third team in the Atlanta days. I'm not totally sure. That would be the one kind of hang up. but long story short, could the story of basketball be told without mentioning Al Horford? I think somewhere in there with his time in Florida, with his longevity, with those Atlanta Hawks teams that were one of the great, you know, they didn't weren't great in the playoffs, but I think in the, the story of basketball, someone would talk about that excellent regular season team with Damari Carroll and Kyle Korver and, and Jeff Teague. And, um, and then, you know, maybe we'll see, we'll see what happens to Boston this year. And uh, Horford might have another couple of good years and he could go ring chasing. He might end up with the championship could end up with, you know, it's, it's, it's conceivable. Uh, the, the take first was a little bit surprising to me, but the more I think about it, the more I think you could justify it. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Hollinger was factoring in the point that you made, which I didn't even think of uh, tough, tough night, tough pod for me. Um, that, that it's the basketball hall of fame, um, that, it, that who Paul is the Naismith Memorial hall of fame. And it's, it's all of basketball, um, which Still makes it even weirder to me that Bill Self is in and Billy Donovan isn't yet, but uh, whatever. Um, neither here nor there, I suppose. But yes, uh, so Al, five-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA All-Defensive Team selection, uh, was on the All-Rookie Team, and to Eric's credit, uh, the great Hawks team that he referenced, that was a year where Al made the All-NBA Team. Nice. 2010-2011. Um, so he has one of those. Uh, he also has um, two all-regional teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, he was not the most outstanding player in either because Corey Brewer won it the second year. Um, but, you know, certainly uh, the war that he had with Greg Oden in that national final, I think a lot of people don't, you know, that that's the, that's the thing that people remember about from that game that aren't Gator fans, right? They remember – that it was Greg Hoden, Greg Oden and Donovan was like, we're just going to let Al Horford guard him. And if he gets 30, he gets 30. That's fine. Um, Al will be fine. And Al was in, in Florida one. Um, so that was kind of, uh, that's a, That's an interesting take. It's an interesting discussion to have. I don't know if Boston is going to, I don't know if this Boston team is good enough to win a championship. Um, you know, maybe crazier things have happened, um, but I don't think they are. Jason Tatum is really good, um, but you know, uh, it's it's tough for me to see it. But certainly, if if you if they upset the Bucks, which to me is would be an upset, um, you know, uh, that's that's something. And then they're in the conference finals, and once you're in the conference finals, I guess anything can happen. And Al's 
made a lot of trips to the conference finals. So uh, that's another thing to kind of consider with his playing career. I wanted to, to get your thoughts on another little tidbit that kind of came up this week before we dive into a couple of listener questions, um, which was that Todd Golden was on field of 68 uh, and was talking about recruiting and just like different guys he really wanted to recruit and apparently like didn't have to sell um, Bruce Pearl that much on Jared Harper, but Anthony McLemore, who was an all SEC player, <laughs> um, like apparently like this was a pretty hard sell and he told a story about it. Like your thoughts on, on like a young Todd Golden trying to sell Bruce Pearl on, on a player like Anthony McLemore. And, and, you know, to me, it also showed me that, you know, Golden obviously has a real eye for, for talent because he's trying to sell Bruce Pearl on like a three-star player who ends up being just tremendous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a funny conversation just to visualize just the, the difference in personalities between the two. And uh, of course, when, one of those personalities has, has the, you know, the power in their relationship and one person's trying to sell, it makes it even funnier. So it's a, it's a funny conversation to, to visualize for sure. It is also funny too, because it's not like, like this was not the days quite, you know, when, when Pearl was regularly pulling the five stars as much, I don't think so. Like um, to try to sell him on a, on a three-star like that, who I think that would have, it obviously like ultimately ended up being like, wow, this is the perfect player to play for Bruce Pearl. But, but again, I, I think the story, the part of the story I really like is just that there's key statistical indicators that he's was looking forward of a player. Todd Golden was, and, and that's where he went and found it. Like, I just want to see out of, you know, Florida's basketball coaches who, um, whoever it may be going back years to, you know, for years in the future, um, you know, just someone that has a plan in mind of what they're looking for. And if you were to look at some of the players that Florida has pulled over the last few years, um, you would not be able to pinpoint a style of play um, or what was was trying to be built. Just looking at the skill sets, um, the positional breakdowns, all that. It just it it just didn't seem to be super focused. And there was a lot of very talented players that didn't fit in, you know, particularly well. So to see that um, a story from years ago. Um, when Todd Golden wasn't even a head coach, but he knew he had to target specific styles of players um, to fit what Auburn was doing at the time and what would work in the SEC. Um, well, now he's the head coach, and I, I don't think that's going to change. And um, that was something with with Trey Bonham that I that I love. That part of the reason I think he's underrated is like, does he have eye popping stats everywhere? No. Is he really, really good at pick and rolls? Yes, he was one of the best in the country. Well, what are you going to need out of your undersized point guard? He's going to have the ball in his hands and he's going to be running pick and rolls. Does it matter that he wasn't great as a cutter? Does it matter that he wasn't great on um, offensive rebounds or off ball action? No, you, you're going to have the ball in his hands when he's on the floor, bringing the ball to the floor. Was he good in those settings? Yes, he was excellent and probably underrated. Okay, perfect. So it's just one of those things that like Golden showed with that story with, with Macklemore that he um, – attacks particular kind of skill sets and, and has an understanding of, of, of what it takes to, to fit pieces together and what wins of the sec. And we're already seeing that um, in his time at Florida, I will say particularly with the take of Trey Bonham, um, which we all really like and are excited for. That was something that showed um, those same kind of, you know, talents and, and, you know, that's a, that's an under the radar um, transfer. Uh, so you can only imagine when it comes to now, it's like, Hey, is there a, a middle four star that, that should actually be a five star? I mean, I, I think that's something we'll, we'll hopefully see under golden. Um, we have a listener question from father Albert who wants to know if Florida might make a run at any of the late portal additions like Josh Minow, uh or Mohammed Gay. I don't see why not. I mean, I think they still have a bunch of scholarships and uh, available. And uh, again, I, I like I just we just talked about how we really like Trey Bonham. If he's kind of your only point guard mixed in with Denzel Aberdeen, do you feel great about that rotation? Um, no, you might feel good, but not great. And you can improve improve on good or, or pretty good. Same as uh, you know the front court. You really like the the starters or maybe the projected starters, but you maybe think you could get um, a, a proven guy at power forward or a, you know, a swing guy that could come off the bench and play the five, four or five. So it's like, yeah, any of these late portal guys, I mean, again, I, Josh, my not specifically, I, I don't particularly think so, but um, there's, there's a lot of names in there and I just don't see kind of anyone off the, off the board, whether it be some high major bounce backs, whether it be somebody's kind of underrated mid-major guys. Um, 
or, you know, in between, which I guess would be like a Josh Minot. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's all fair game right now, honestly, with uh, with the kind of the scholarships they still have. So um, next listener question from Why Not Florida at Paul Ant 94. If Florida lands the St. Bonaventure duo, um, are they the SEC favorite? <laughs> no. Um, but I think like it probably raises my ceiling from like this team is a team that could very well get to the second round and play a game for the sweet 16 to, you know, Hey, Ty golden has a decent shot at the sweet 16 year one. Um, you know, I'm not going to say elite eight with that group. Um, I still don't think my biggest thing is I don't think there's enough shooters right now. Like it just don't, you know, I, th- I think that's going to be an issue, but um Last year, I thought they would be able to shoot fine, and boy, was I wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, shooting can be fickle again in the you know the thirty game sample size of, of a college season. That's fair. I mean, I, I'll say this, and and not that this should be treated a hundred percent as gospel, um, even though you might think so listening to this podcast. But Bart Torvik, I think, as we speak, have the Gators as the sixth best SEC team um, going into next season. Um, I think that is is totally fair that's totally reasonable that's probably where i would have them right now so would landing the saint bonaventure duo um take them from six to one no i i don't believe so um but does it get them from like and and i think we've kind of seen like you know tier talk in the sec like it's been like there's been like four uh, top four or five or usually have been a tier in the sec recently so does landing those guys get you a little bit closer to, to landing in in that kind of seat um, maybe, and I'll say this, I mean, man, you look at what the SEC is doing right now, um, finishing fifth in the SEC could still very well put you in that sweet 16 conversation, um, which is maybe a extremely hot take. I'm not saying that I think five SEC teams will, will make the sweet 16 this year, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing that's ever happened. And if the, the fifth, sixth and seventh teams in the SEC were, were good enough to, make that run if the the bracket kind of broke broke right like you know i could absolutely see that so uh i i like what you said neil that maybe you they do really well at the final scholarships that uh they they kind of end up in that mix but uh yes would it make them the favorite uh no i don't even think that there's you know two or three players in the portal that if florida were to land all of them would make them the favorite truth i mean you know Maybe we could concoct that where there's like a, a true dream, two guys, two or three guys remaining that could make the Gators the favorite in the SEC. But I don't even think that's the case. So would it be the pair of St. Bonaventure players? Uh, no, I, I I just do not see the Gators entering next season as the, the SEC favorite. Um, so there was chatter that Kyle Lofton was going to visit Boise State as well. Um, that is not happening. Um, so... I know he got back from Rutgers, uh, popped in, probably saw the fam, which is like 20 minutes away. Uh, that's a tough deal. We'll see what, we'll see what happens there. But since I'm getting is it's a Florida Purdue Rutgers deal um, on him. Um, if you believe in tea leaves as to where the Florida staff's head is at, Khalil Shabazz kind of quietly returned to San Francisco yesterday. And it kind of made me think, Eric, that this is so speculative. This is like Malik Grady category stuff where I need Malik to go down the rabbit hole and like confirm everything for me through like 25 inferences. But um, yeah, I mean, like it seems like Shabazz like came out and was like, I'm in the portal to see if Todd Golden and the Florida staff were like, come on down. And it like didn't happen. So he's like, I'm back, baby, in San Francisco, <laughs> um, which might be an indication that they feel pretty decent about where they are with Kyle Lofton. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they got in touch with Shabazz. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know, but I, I will say that I was, you know, looking around for my own interest. Um, and I, I, I don't think he'd be a take for Florida. Not like if, if they ended up with him and that ends up being like a back backup point guard, I mean like, Hey, that's still, you know, pretty good for a backup point guard. So it's a player that maybe I kind of wish kept hanging around in the portal. Um, on the off chance that the Florida misses out on, on, on everyone, but I, I'm not very big on, on his game translating to, to the high majors. So um, yeah, again, we're, we're speculating um, that, that maybe the Gators 
uh, reached out, but uh, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't have been a, a player that excited me a ton. So, so that's all right. But uh, uh, you know, if Malik still wants to to go get down the rabbit hole for that, no, yeah. no, no, Malik should probably take a, take a break at this point in the off season, but yeah, um, I, I still think that it's uh, um, it's uh, it's Kyle Lofton that, that Florida would be most interested in. I still think Emoja Gibson from, from Oklahoma is, is someone that um, the Gators are going after pretty hard. And I think a lot of teams are, he's been one of those guys that I think played the port played the timing of the portal really well, where I think that if yeah. he came out right at the start of kind of portal season and everyone's in the portal, I don't think he got the same looks, but by coming out a little bit later, there's a lot of really good teams. I mean, like Florida that still have, space available and he's been able to he's going to be picking between some some really really good programs so um yeah i think he played that excellently um well done gibson it makes me think he's even he's a very intelligent player which makes me want him even more on the caters um so he's a very interesting player as like not a true point guard but you know six one and like 155 pounds 160 pounds or something like that um but man he can shoot the ball has been doing it consistently and uh yeah i think it would be uh i think it'd be a good ad for the gators for sure and uh that's when i think the the gators are in on yeah uh, another guy that it looks like um is probably headed back to starkville is shaquille moore i know that some people had said again the tea leaves are kind of lining up to where like the other guards that florida was kind of you thought florida might bring in are fading um, by the wayside. Slipper still fits, does prognostications on some of these players um, so that people like Eric Fawcett and myself don't have to. Um, and another guy that they complimented for playing the portal perfectly. And I, I, I actually like, I think they're very good at what they do. It's slipper still fits, even though it's a Gonzaga site. Um, but was Kevin McCuller, he got the G league invite yesterday uh, so congrats to him, um, but I don't think it's the G League for him. Uh, I think it's Gonzaga, and so do they. <laughs> um, and, you know, when you get the G League invite and you head out to Gonzaga anyway for a visit, that's it's usually an indication that you might be thinking about staying in college when you hit up a program like Gonzaga. Amani Bates announced that he won't say anything until June, um, which I think disappointed some Louisville people that were ready to pop bottles. Um, but I still think if you're a Louisville fan and Bates is playing college basketball next year, you feel good. Um, that's where they were at. And then a couple other predictions that they made um, were Isaiah Mosley to Kansas, Kyle Lofton to Florida, and then um, Tyrese Hunter. They just have, we don't know, but he's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll, uh, he'll get some NIL money um, wherever he goes for sure. Um and he deserves it based off the season he had. I uh, still definitely wish he was a Gator from uh, from that time. When oh, man. He should go to JU, play for Coach Mincy. <laughs> can't, can't count them out. They've got a couple high major, you know, transfers already. So why Great not? Time, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's hey, it's good. To, it's good to hear, you know, other sources saying uh, third party prognosticators saying that they see locked into the Gators. That would be a player that would uh, excite us very much. Uh, uh, something that some people have been asking me or kind of throwing out on the Gator country forums is like, if Florida, like, you know, Florida gets Gibson, does it disqualify Lofton? If they get Lofton, does it disqualify Gibson? Uh, what do you think about that, Neil? Man, again, my, my issue is shooters. And the one thing, like when I read what Eric said about Gibson and then heard him talk about him, I mean, I almost like blacked out just because what I know about him is he can make shots. Right. And that's like it's Florida needs and this not just to prove me right against Eric for like one time out of five. You know, usually I win one of five arguments, but like I feel like Colin Castleton is a pretty good passer. And I just don't think that in that offense that he was ever going to really succeed in a world where Myron Jones was shooting 29 percent. Um I don't think Iron Jones is going to shoot 29% next year, by the way. Um, but I still think that if you have Gibson and Jones, suddenly you're a much better team offensively. I think CJ Felder is a pretty good passer from the very limited basketball we saw him play. Um, I think he's a guy who can hit people on the perimeter. I mean, I just think Gibson really would help Florida win. Um, and the biggest reason to me he would help Florida win is because he can hit shots. 
Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I still like the fit again in, in a half court offense that we think is going to run through Castleton a, a whole bunch to have someone like Gibson who can take the ball at the floor and then get it to uh, if he needs to um, him or Trey Bonham get it to get it into Castleton, get it into whoever's kind of playing the the pivot spot of, of of that offense, and then space the floor. And that's what's so impressive about Gibson is. Uh, when you look at the way he's made shots, it like doesn't matter if it's like on the catch, off screens, um, off the dribble, like any way that you can shoot a three, he has done it and he has done it successfully. And that's just like not the case for a lot of shooters. Like again, it's like with with Myron Jones, for example, it was like he was good coming off screens and you know he's a good catch and shoot player, but he wasn't very good off the dribble. And we saw his off the dribble attempts not go very well for Florida, which is predictable because that hasn't been the he has been able to hit those shots kind of throughout his college career so uh it's it's just like there's few shooters that are good like in any kind of like faction of three-point shooting and and gibson is and um you know i was just thinking neil you, uh, one of the things you've definitely bested me at was was last season's preseason predictions slash over unders slash superlatives um i was just thinking i you know the odds maker here who is me i will have no idea what to set the number at for Myron Jones three point percentage, but I can tell you this, Neil. One of the questions for our preseason prediction over unders will be Myron Jones three point percentage, and I have no idea what the number will be, but uh, we'll see if I can come up with something that somehow makes us uh, makes us have to think about it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I think if they, if I'm not sure they can sign both Gibson and Shun, Asunue, and Kyle Lofton. Um, and so I do wonder, you know, if Florida is kind of like playing that very delicately so that they don't lose all of them. Um, you know, I certainly want to get one of those guys, maybe two of those guys. Um, a guy I do think they'll get is Riley Kugel, which is part of why I say that they can't take all three, because I'm mm. pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're gonna take Riley Kugel. Which honestly makes sense. I mean, he's a six four ish, six five, depending on your recruiting service. You know, wing that ranks anywhere from a top fifty player to a top one hundred player, depending on on the service. And then you watch him on video, and he looks more like a top fifty player than a top one hundred player. Eric. Yeah, and it's honestly one of those things. I mean, I kind of referenced him. Um, uh, talking to someone a couple weeks ago about as as a top 50 player. He's like, what? He's not a top 50 player. And it's one of those things where like he kind of was ranked as a top 50 player. And then some of the noise that he might not qualify academically kind of came out. And then you kind of saw that his uh, his his ranking kind of dipped. And and again, I, I it, it's kind of the same thing where like, you know, if a three-star player signs with a high major team that's or a blue blood, they kind of get the bump. Um it, it, you also kind of see it as like recruitment's cool for guys. Like there's no kind of incentive or des- like for these recruiting rankings to, you know, shoot a guy up the rankings. It's makes more sense to drop him. And that's a lot of the, what these guys, you know, are doing. They obviously can't watch hundreds and hundreds of players really closely. So they're following what kind of interest is this guy getting? So if a guy's not getting interest, even if it's because of academic reasons, they're still going to say, Oh man, there's not a lot of, you know, buzz at this player from high level teams. They must not be kind of as, as good as uh maybe you know people thought so um i'll say that i think he's closer to it the the 50th ranking and i think that if he was kind of recruited normally that's how it would bear out and on the topic of his academics um hey congratulations to him uh today on his instagram he um point he put up some pictures with his with his gown i think graduating or uh um, some of the paperwork from his, his high school graduation. So hopefully things are all on track for him and, and wherever he's able to, to, to go next um, for school. Um, academics are, are not an issue. He gets everything figured out and uh, he gets to kind of show his, his talent as a basketball player. But um, it's good to see him posting some, some, some graduation stuff on his Instagram today. So congratulations to him. Yeah, no, that's great. And I hope that does mean that he's, he's where he needs to be um, academically to go to Florida. I think he really wants to go to Florida. So um you know, everything that he posts on social media suggests he wants to be in Gainesville. And I think the staff really wants him to. So it's just a, can they get him in issue? And, and it was good to see that stuff today that, that Eric referenced as we record on a Wednesday. I talked up Al Horford earlier, the Celtics lost, I guess Giannis uh, went nuts in the last five minutes of the game as he's prone to do. And now I think the Bucks lead three, two, Eric uh, headed back to Milwaukee. Um, so Maybe not another conference finals trip for Al Horford. We'll see. Um, 
you know, crazier things have happened, like I said earlier on the show, but I doubt that they're uh, going to be able to to win two consecutive games um, to, to knock out Milwaukee. Um, so maybe we'll get that Heat-Milwaukee conference finals that we all deserve as basketball fans anyway. Um, but Eric, any thoughts on uh, on the East or the West? What's intriguing you before we sign up? Uh, it's good to see some close series for sure. Um, it's maybe yeah. some good basketball and it's nice to be out of an age where it was like, it's going to be golden state versus whoever, or it's going to be, you know, LeBron versus whoever, or it's going to be LeBron, wherever he is versus golden state. That's been kind of the <laughs> history. And I, I don't think it's good for, for the NBA, unfortunately. Like I think dynasties are great to, to some extent, but I, I do think there was uh I think they lost some some kind of casual fan interest um, during a little bit of the, uh, the 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 dynasty age recently. So I think it's uh, I think it's great. I think it's it's great for all small market teams to see um, to see uh, Milwaukee kind of stay stay really good after winning a championship. So we love seeing that. So that's that's one of the things that that strikes me. And uh, uh, I it's it's even one of those things where I'm like I don't even know who I want to win each of these series i don't even know how i want to win a championship i'm just like happy to see right, those series right. and 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 good games and that's what we're getting so i think this has been a fantastic playoffs and i hope that it kind of continues um and culminates with a very fantastic um you know nba finals yeah i'm kind of i, I don't know if i'm low-key rooting for chris paul um but i guess i kind of am low-key rooting for chris paul um you know but that that may shift to a more moderate key now that that Al Horford's down three to two, um, so I don't have to feel like I need a shower after I watch and cheer for the Celtics uh, just to clean all that, to clean all the nasty Celtics cheering off of me. Apologies to any Celtics fans out there listening. Um, <laughs> bad bad jokes. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed Coach Shannon. We will be back soon, probably with some basketball news um, in terms of rosters here in the next week or two. But we'll, we'll be back next week. So we will solicit some listener questions, line up a guest, and, and talk to you all soon. Until then, go Gators and keep attacking closeouts.